Yeah. Hello. Welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. Uh, I'm Corwin Heller. And welcome to the Monday edition of the show. It is June 20th, Father's Day at 7.30 p.m. here on the East Coast. And we're going to be talking about some all-star shit because that voting started like two, three weeks ago. And we never got around to actually talking about any of that shit. So buckle up and we're going to work our way through our ballots and have somewhat meaningful discussions um, about uh, who we would select and why. Um, but before we get on into that, uh, yesterday was a game seven situation in the NBA as the Milwaukee Bucks and the uh, Brooklyn Nets faced off three games apiece to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. And in a thriller that went into overtime, thanks to Kevin Durant, um, the Brooklyn Nets, unfortunately, ended up, well, I guess unfortunately for them, I don't really give a shit, lost um, to the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks, geez, not box. The Milwaukee box, um, 115 to uh, 111. Uh, Corwin, did you watch any of the series? Did you watch any of the last game? No. I mean, I saw highlights. I saw updates on Twitter. I was following along with the game to, I don't want to say the best of my abilities because I could have done so much more, but I followed along as much as Twitter would shove it in my face while I was paying more attention to baseball and the u.s open uh so i knew what was going on i was following along with the headlines and i uh, saw the highlights of the last you know couple minutes oh john rom just flew a shot into the bunker oof that's tough um but man that's tough especially for how much potential that nets team had just all the injuries through the playoffs and through the end of that season just didn't quite take it all the way um it's not quite that they didn't take it all the way. They didn't take it all the way uh, because of those injuries. And it'll be one of those question marks of what if, if uh, next season they don't turn it around, stay healthy and, and dominate the way that they were during the regular season. Yeah. And I think that's really the, the most constructive conversation that you and I are going to have, because obviously Corin and I are not huge basketball aficionados in the way we are with other sports that we talk about more frequently on here, but it is, it's an, it, you know, it's, Especially in basketball, it has been the case recently that if you are to assemble a super team, your ticket to the finals is punched for all intents and purposes. I mean, that's the way it's been for literally the last like decade straight Um, with, you know, one of Steph Curry or LeBron James and whatever team they form around them, just, you know, stomping and marching their way to the Eastern Conference final and the Western Conference final and then ultimately to the NBA championship so I think the now obviously basketball what's up it's like you're just reminding me of the fact that like LeBron James has been this just kind of tour de force for in basketball for the entirety of our waking lives and he just happened to get you know beat in the first round of the playoffs this year out of nowhere yeah right um way to go Suns Nuggets I forget who they faced in the first uh, round 90% certain it was the Suns. I also feel much better when I said the Suns than I did the Nuggets about how right that was. So we're going to rock with that. Um, 
but you know, so the the Nets went out. They 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 got Kyrie uh, season two ago, got Durant season two ago, and then this was the first season he played because he was actually healthy. And then they traded for Harden. They got um, what's his fucking name, Blake Griffin. Uh, you know, they put together a, a true who's who of who was the biggest name in basketball five years ago, and put them all on the same team. And this playoff series i think is very humbling from a standpoint of just because you got all the guys doesn't mean this necessarily that the sport is more predictable it certainly has been for basketball because an individual has the capability of impacting the game at such a higher degree than in any other sport um at least of the major sports that we follow um, even the ones we don't like, we don't talk about soccer fucking ever because we don't follow soccer, but one player isn't going to make or break your team in the same way he can for basketball. And so to see a team like this get knocked off in the second round is definitely something of a surprise. Obviously they're hurt, you know, their big stars are hurt and even, you know, not just depth pieces or whatever, but um, it's still, it's jarring because of the sport but it's not jarring. It wouldn't be jarring if it was any other sport because this is really, I mean, what happens in most other sports, you know? Yeah. I mean, the best team doesn't always win, you know, Patriots went 16 and 0, went to the Super Bowl and lost to a giants team that by all means was in no way, shape or form, the better team. Um, Nine and seven. (laughs) How many games did the Marlins win in Oh one and they did not win the world series or, Whatever that record was, you know, most wins in MLB. I feel like the Marlins uh, did win in 01. No, 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 no. The Marlins won in 90. Was it 90? They won around there. It was 03. They beat the Yankees in 03. Yeah. I forget what the other one was. Shit. I was going to say 97, but actually, I think that's the Braves. Fuck. Because 01 was the Angels. Oh, wait. No, 02 was the Angels. Oh, one was the Diamondbacks. Oh, two was the Angels. Oh, three was the Marlins. Fuck. Are you pulling it up? Uh, no, but I can. No, I got it. That's all right. Um, but yeah, you know, the Miami Marlins have never won their division ever and have two World Series rings. Yeah. I mean, you know, like like, like Corbin said, the 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 best team. The seven. The 73 and nine Golden State Warriors lost a 3 1 lead in the finals. Yeah. That team doesn't always win. No, no it was 97 nine, uh, when they won the World Series. So 97 and 0. The year I was born. And yeah, I mean, uh, the, the 01 Mariners, who I think is the team you're thinking of, who won the MLB record most games um, with 116. Yeah, we both said it so look much. Right? We're not gonna we're not gonna look it up. Look at us. <laughs> they got knocked out in the second round of the playoffs by the Yankees. Who yeah. I mean, we're good that season for sure, but they didn't set the MLB record for wins in a year. Um, and obviously it's it's a maybe a week's worth of discussion after your team because your team got eliminated, and that's always some extra talk. And you know, you had a big season, so there's a little bit extra talk on top of that. Um but by and large, like it, it's it's rather expected when it comes to sports. Um, outside of basketball, I feel like the Nets are going to end up getting. I I feel bad for Nets fans for the next few weeks because even though it is such a normal thing to happen anywhere else, it is almost startling to see in basketball. Uh, 
<coughs> excuse me uh that's fitting i went to uh cover my mouth when i yawned by doing this and i realized after like heavily breathing into the mic that uh, i forgot to turn it off when i did it i didn't even hear you so oh, you're, thank you're God. i thought it would be very very easy to tell um but yeah sucks for the nets i don't really care uh, i i don't i don't give a shit because i don't care about about the nets but i do wonder how much this will alter the concept or the feeling of need for as star-studded of a super team as the nets had obviously they're not catching all these players at their prime mm. yeah i think it'd be very different if it was prime harden prime kd prime prime blake griffin too uh, who ended up fouling out in that game um, obviously, all these players are still very effective and good. Corman, what are your eyes? Uh, John Rahm is just taking over the saying. U.S. Open. It's just it's wild. He's just he was like four, three shots down to start the day, and he just took a one shot lead. He's inflicting his will upon the rest oh. of the competition. Oh, he just shot a sixty-seven. That was the eighteenth hole, um, tying the the U.S. Open record for this year for lowest low scoring rounds. So, Radio Johnny. Yeah, Louis Susan has uh, four holes left and has to uh, finish one under to uh, to tie and push a force a playoff, which will come to you live while we record this. I suppose so. Um, now, what do you think is the bigger disappointment? Just real quick, um, the Nets not advancing, or had the Bucks lost, the Bucks not advancing? Oh, the Nets all the way. Um, the Bucks losing when you have Giannis who played well, but by all means was not playing up to the caliber of player he's been over the past couple of years off back-to-back MVP seasons. Um, but the Nets team with that lineup, with those superstars, with everything there, it's it's would be crazy if uh, if they were to lose, um, which they did. Granted. There's a lot of excuses because of injury and because of everything there, but um, you know they were far and away the favorite and uh, far and away the team that should have won, if all else was held equal. Yeah. Well, it'll be uh, it'll be fun for the finals for I think all neutral fans since um, that means that the the championship series this season will be won by one of the Clippers, the Suns the uh, Bucks, the Hawks, or the Sixers, depending on how that game seven goes tonight. And those are a smattering of teams that like are never involved. Um, Which I'm so happy about. Yeah, it's great. It's super fun. I love the fact that the Phoenix Suns are relevant because I never hear them talked about, and that's a joy. No, because they've been bad for a while. A very long time. Yes, I, I have a loose understanding of that. Speaking of bad, um, just to transition ourselves into baseball a little bit, uh, so we, we talked last episode about the fact that the Arizona Diamondbacks have mm-hmm. been horrible and were on a 23-game uh, losing streak on the road. Well, since we talked about that, they haven't won another game and are now in the midst of a 16-16 game losing streak. Um, since they started the season... 15 and uh, I think 18, uh, they have only won five more games and have lost 34 of them. 
What the fuck? I'm sorry, I lost you, buddy. Can you say that again? You know, expecting. Uh, oh, sorry. An old team and good. You can be a young team and bad because you'll get better. You can't be an old bad team. And that's that's what I feel like the Diamondbacks are. Like a Up there in age. Oh, buddy, you keep cutting uh, in uh, and out. Can you can you say that again? Uh, yes. Um, you said that they're up there in age. Yeah, they're up there in age. They don't have a bunch of you know young prospects that are on their way up. They don't have a, a super deep farm system. They don't really have a future in place that you can look towards and say, hey. They're in a good position. They're bad now. They're going to be good in a couple of years, like the White Sox were, like the Padres were, like a you know a bunch of these teams that are good now. They were really bad a couple of years ago, but they had the farm systems. They had you know the assets to move. The Diamondbacks don't really have any assets. They don't have a deep farm system. Their team is old. They have a couple young players. You know they have a couple. You know, Cattell Marte, Zach Gallen, you know, young guys, younger guys, at least, who can stick with the team and, and be, you know, on this team for a long time and hopefully fight for that window. But otherwise, there's not much here to, you know, give fans a whole lot of hope. You know, none of these guys are really all that valuable if you were to sell. Not a lot of these guys are, you know, very valuable in the future. It's uh, it's a tough place to be for the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's tough, and it's also very confusing because this is not a team full of bad players. Obviously, this yeah. isn't a barnstorm team. Like, like this isn't. They're not going to bring the world down with talent. But you know, you look at the Pirates and you go, uh, you got Cabrian Hayes, uh, got and guys. Uh, yeah, you know, and you Brian can name Adam Frazier and. You know, Brian Reynolds is pretty darn good, but nothing. That guy who's dating Vanessa Hudgens. He's a good depth player. Uh, Cole Tucker, he's yeah. not that good. Yeah, I don't but he's dating Vanessa Hudgens. <laughs> so he's good yeah, at something. Pretty huge. Pretty um, huge. Regardless, pretty you know, this, isn't the, and this isn't the Orioles of like three seasons ago where they sold everybody you knew and they, you were like, oh, well, okay. So who's left? What? Oh, okay. I don't know who that is. No, there's a lot of names in the Diamondback that people know. Like Carson Kelly, obviously, is having his breakout season. He's only 26. Um, but, you know, Christian Walker um, had a real breakout year a couple years ago, a uh, couple seasons ago, um, and really, like, you know, took over the first base role after Paul Goldschmidt left. Um, Nick Ahmed was at one point a recognizable player. Um, David Peralta has been a, a, plus player for most of his career. Cattell Marte, obviously a big um, acquisition that they made a few seasons ago, who still is performing very, very well. Um, oh, wow, that was actually 2016 that they got him. Jeez, that's wild. Um, mm -hmm. Azdrubal Cabrera, who's been on a, a bunch of teams and has been around forever, which is not necessarily to the, uh, his benefit, but still. He's like 33. 35. Oh, my God. Yeah, and in, it's... Hey, that's a great guy to have in your team when you have a bunch of young guys and need a veteran presence. But 
AKA his time on the Washington Nationals a couple exactly. seasons ago. Exactly. Great uh, role player for a team who won the World Series. But regardless, you know, these these are players with like names that you know that might not be the best guys, but they're not awful. So the fact that they're performing so miserably is rather impressive. Like if we if I'm just going to look at the OPS of their starting eight batters, okay? Carson Kelly at catcher, 132 OPS plus. Christian Walker having a rough season, 48, no good. Josh Rojas, second baseman, 112, that's pretty nice. Nick Ahmed at short, 55, that's quite bad. Um, Eduardo Escobar sitting there in third at third base, who almost set the doubles record a couple of years ago. Um, 100 OPS plus, fine, whatever. David Peralta's at 101, fine, whatever. Center field, Cattell Marte, 148. That's wonderful. That is phenomenal. And then Josh Reddick at 71, which is whatever. And then I guess if you had to pick another guy to go in there afterwards, if they were playing in a DH league, as we all should be, probably as Drupal Cabrera with his 114 OPS plus. And that's obviously there's some real low lights in there, but outside of that, almost most of the team, the vast majority of the team is sitting at league average hitting or, or better. And it's not nearly enough. Right. Like you can't just be league average at six positions and have like two or three guys that are black holes. And then like one or two guys who are like, maybe a step up above the rest but nothing spectacular that's you know it's nothing average isn't really gonna win you baseball games not gonna win you close baseball games it's not gonna make up for bad pitching performances it's not gonna do anything to really move the needle right and to that effect let's look at a team that's in a relatively similar position to the diamondbacks though having a uh, another mixed bag of a season, but I'd say infinitely better of a season, the Toronto Blue Jays, um, who this season are very much so a hit first team because a lot of their pitching is hurt because they took a lot of flyers and risks just to try to get some guys. So as it stands right now, their starting catcher is listed at, as Danny Jansen, although he is um, hurt right now, but he has the most innings. So or most games played appearances, whatever um, his OPS plus is 46. That's very bad. Uh, but then you go to first base, Vlad Guerrero Jr., 202 OPS plus. Fucking nuts. We'll be talking more about him in a minute. Um, Marcus Simeon, 144, phenomenal. Bo Bichette, 119, great. Kevin Biggio at 102, solid. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is having a down season. It's still 80, which is not good, but it's not the black hole of Danny Jansen. Um, Randall Gritchick, 104, that's fine. Teoscar Hernandez, uh, who... I believe is also hurt or some shit. Um, 127, which is phenomenal. And then Rowdy Tella is having a down season 68. So the lows here, not nearly as low as the Diamondbacks. The highs here are significantly higher than the Diamondbacks. Um, and honestly, the pitching, even though it's been the Blue Jays' weak spot, at least all their starters, for the most part, are still starting, barring a couple exceptions. Their bullpen has been wrecked. But in Arizona, it's been the exact opposite. And unfortunately, if, if your bullpen gets hurt, you're looking at, say, two to four innings a game that you have to cover. A good pitching performance, two innings, a bad pitching performance, 
four innings. Just st- mm-hmm. all your starters got hurt, which last time we talked about Diamondbacks was this, was the instance. All of their starters got hurt. That's five to seven normal starter innings per game you have to fill with other guys, and then you have to supplant the bullpen innings because you're probably going to use your bullpen guys up front to stretch them out. If not, some starters you had down in the minor league system that you're going to have to start paying faster. Um, oh my God, it's and you know I want to sit here and be like. Over a full season, you'd expect some things to average out because mm-hmm. their um, what 230 win percent is obviously unsustainable, one would think. But at the same time, that involves a team making a run. And is this team in this division going to make a run? Like, usually, you know, big runs are sparked by, you know, marquee wins, big time plays that, you know, spark a victory. They have teams that they can beat that would be a marquee win. I don't think they have any players that really are going to make those marquee plays. I don't think they're going to have any of these major, you know, like Cattell Marte can do that. He hasn't much this year. He's been having a good year, not a great year. I just don't know how they're going to sustainably be able to do this without anyone else other than Cattell Marte really doing much of anything. And uh, speaking of it, it's the bottom of the ninth right now in their series finale against the Dodgers, and they're losing eight to nine. This and eight runs those... against Dodgers pitching. That's a great yeah. That's a great outing. It's a great outing. This would be one of those marquee wins if they could pull through and say, hey, we beat the Dodgers. We stole a game from them. By all means, we have no right to beat the Dodgers. This can spark something. But the problem with that is going on a run in this division would mean winning a series against the Dodgers, then winning a series against the Giants, and then winning a series against the Padres. The Rockies have, you know, been this, you know, two-sided coin home and away where Rockies at home are a very, very good team. Rockies away are... Well, they're the Diamondbacks, so it'll be tough to do anything, you know, over any period of time. Maybe they could steal a series or two, and and that'll be enough to kind of win them some games, steal some games here and there. But you know, it'll be tough. Yeah, I uh, if I was them though, I would I would tear down early, um, to try to to try to take advantage of of teams that are willing to pay a heavy price to be uh, able to get the most sought after players that they can, Mm -hmm. they can get. Um, I think the only untouchable you probably have is Carson Kelly because he's young compared, compared to the rest of your team. Anyway, I would say Zach Allen is up there too. I was going to say maybe Zach Allen as well. um, Who's 25 and the rest of them cut him loose. Yeah. I mean, Cattell Marte, as much as you would want to keep him on that team, he is much more valuable to a contending team, and they are willing to pay probably more than he's worth to the Diamondbacks to do so. And at that point, you just have to. What do you think the average age of the Arizona Diamondbacks hitter is? I'll say over 28 29.6 that's really old for comparison the blue jays who again as 
we just said are in a relatively similar spot, um, but doing significantly better at what they are trying to do. Uh, average age of the Toronto Blue Jays. Like batters, 20... I should say. Batters. Six. 26 and a half. Yeah. And that's a pretty big fucking difference. Average age of the pitchers for the Diamondbacks, I guess. Uh, 28.2. 28.6. And then the average age of the uh, Toronto Blue Jay pitching staff. 27.2. Actually, they're older, 29.4, uh, which that part... I honestly didn't think for a second who was even on that pitching staff, but... Yeah, uh, you know... Hunjin Roo's pretty old. Robbie yeah, Hunjin Roo's 34. Um, Steven Matz is 30. Ross Stripling's 31. Um, Raphael Dolis is 33. So, you know, they, they got they got a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, this is a team centered around their hitting, and their hitting is young and very good. Um, That's the best place to be. Yeah, their pitching being a little bit older is what it is for a few more seasons. It's not a huge deal. But, oh, man... Man, the Diamondbacks are. I I really didn't. It didn't re- sink into me how old they were until you said it. Oh God. Um. Man. So anyway, since we're talking about the Blue Jays, you want to talk a little bit about Vlad Guerrero Jr. Yeah. Is uh, is he a good baseball player? He's fucking killing it. Just for an idea of how much he's killing it. Grant, one of these seasons is a shortened season. In 2019 and 2021 combined, he put up uh, three point, sorry, uh, 2.7 war. In this season alone, he has put up 3.7. He has outmatched his career war in just this one season. Young career, but still, nonetheless. Um, and he is crushing it right now. To go through his stat line, he's played in 69 games. I was waiting for it. Yeah, yeah I was like, uh, oh, what, what, what are you pausing for? 69, oh, 69 games. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, he's gotten 84 hits, 13 doubles, one triple. Uh, none of that really matters. But what he does also have is 23 home runs, um, which is the most in all of baseball, 59 RBIs, which is the most in all of baseball, two stolen bases, one caught stealing, 41 walks, 48 strikeouts, a 337 batting average, which is not the most in baseball, but we will get there. Um, his on base is 437, highest in baseball. Slugging is 675, the highest in the American League. An OPS of 1,112, which is the highest in baseball. 202 OPS plus, the highest in baseball. 168 total bases, the highest in baseball. And five intentional walks already this season, which is the most in the American League. Um, Ah, goddamn. Now, just to loop back real quick, if we can, with the batting average, Guerrero is currently fourth in all of baseball in batting average, but he's second in the American League, a single point behind Michael Brantley, who is hitting 338. Um, Jesse Winker is on top of the leaderboard at 344. Nick Castellanos at 341. But Guerrero only needing to pass Michael Brantley by basically one hit uh, to be triple crown contending. Uh, so Quorum, what do you think of Vlad Guerrero's season so far? It's pretty spectacular. It's one of those things where, you know, he's the definition of a post hype sleeper. I mean, he was the number one over, uh, he was the number one overall prospect in baseball words for 
two, three years. I'm trying to think of who was number one before him. Um, who was the last big superstar prospect? Like Juan Soto came up, but he wasn't number one. Oh, I don't know. Like I'll look it up while you're talking. All right, cool. Um, but he kind of came out, you know, showed a lot of promise the last two years and just never quite put it all together. We never really saw these big home run numbers. We saw him struggle with hitting. You know, he was hitting well, but nothing that really lived up to the absolutely insane numbers he had in double A, triple A. And it was reaching a point this season where we're like, hey, we know Vlad has all this talent in the world. He has all the talent in the world. Maybe this is the year it comes all together. But at the same time, there was plenty of people that were like, well, we haven't seen it yet. Maybe maybe it's not quite going to reach those heights that we were expecting so long ago. Uh, so many years ago, all of two. Um, wow. Okay. I'm sorry. Louis was Susan is on like the 17th hole and just hit a ball out of bounds on his drive. So he's tanking. That being said, Vlad Guerrero just came out and blew the doors off of everybody finally reaching the heights now that we all expected him to reach. This is exactly the kind of player I was expecting um, Vlad Guerrero to be. A lot of people were expecting him to be like that. I'm not at all going to try and claim that I was ahead of this curve for, you know, projecting Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, but the fact is he's what, 22, 23. He's got such a, long future ahead of him where you know what can he do in the future how can he you know extrapolate this in the future um do you know how old miguel cabrera was in 2007 when he won it 2011 whatever year it was um he had been around for a little bit so i'll say he was probably 27 uh hold on, i'm looking it up right now all right, Miguel Cabrera's first trip. So his first triple crown season wasn't until 2011. Oh, no, hold on. Sorry, 2012. Yeah, 2012. 2012. I thought he was only okay. triple crown season. I thought he had two. Um, yeah, and he say. was 29. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's pretty crazy to do. You know, two back to back MVP seasons, one of which, you know, actually, I guess 2012 was the triple crown year. Yeah. Um, but regardless, the fact that Vlad Guerrero Jr. is doing it now as a 22, 23-year-old is absolutely insane. You know, even though he had two quote-unquote down years, he still had a 106 and a 116 OPS plus both those years. The fact that he's so young, he is 22, and he's fighting for that, and obviously it's not going to go anywhere. That talent's not going to go away is just insane to see it's so exciting uh for reference the top some of the top ranked prospects is finding it by year is actually weirdly tricky um but in 2019 vlad Guerrero jr for the american league um side by side with fernando tatis jr for the national league uh 2018 top prospect was uh ronald acuna for the national league and shohai otani for the american league uh but before that Actually, this isn't divided by, by Legos. That's just how it was for those two. Interesting. Uh, 2017, Andrew Benintendi and Yohan Mankata were the top two prospects. Uh, and 2016, Corey Seager and Byron Buxton 
were the top two prospects. So, um, so what was the last year that you had there? Uh, 2016, Corey Seager and Byron Buxton. All right. Um, you're bad at Google. Uh, so 2018, he went into the season as the number one prospect in all of baseball, according to MLB. Well, I try uh, to find com. it year by year instead of Googling each individual year. Did you find that? Um, yeah, MLB.com slash prospects slash year. You just scroll back by year. There's a little. Oh, yeah, there. you're right. I did it um, wrong. So 2017, he was the four overall prospect in baseball behind uh, Victor Robles, Glaber Torres, and at number one, Shohei Otani. This is actually a really fascinating list of top prospects. Yeah, Victor I Robles was ranked ahead of him in 2017, which is very funny. Then obviously 2018, he's up there with uh, Tatis, Eloy Jimenez, Victor Robles was down to number four. Very exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. Where was he in 2016? I know you had said it. I forgot. He was... I don't see it anywhere, but it doesn't matter. Top prospects of 2014, just to share. Number one prospect, Byron Buxton. Mixed results so far. Not great. Second best prospect was Carlos Correa. Doing well. Number three, Chris Bryant. Number four, Francisco Lindor. So three, two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Number five, Addison Russell. Not in baseball anymore. Um, number six, Joey Gallo. Number seven, Miguel Sano. Number eight, Lucas Giolito. Number nine, Archie Bradley. Number 10, Noah Syndergaard. Fascinating list. Yeah, I love doing 13th. this. I fucking love doing this. I'm going to do 2013. Oh. Never mind. 2013 told me to go fuck myself. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway. Anyway. I'm 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 a, I'm a loop us back around here. Uh. Yeah. I I mean it's it's unreal what he's doing. For for one thing because it's always fun seeing prospects like this kind of pan out. For another thing, he's been he's a baseball lifer. You know, his dad is literally in the Hall of Fame. Um. And so it's kind of cool to see a generation to generation, a true Lador Vador um, in, in baseball uh, shout outs to the Jews who got that one. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, because, because, you know, for one thing, I think it helps bring generations of baseball fans together. Um, although hopefully the old guys aren't going, his dad was better because he had a higher batting average, which you can't say this season. Um, but it's, and plus it's just fun seeing, seeing the young dudes rake like this and whether or not Vlad Guerrero ends up getting the triple crown. I, it doesn't matter. It's, it's largely not largely. It's very arbitrary. It is three statistics that don't mean the world really. Um, RBI is a stat that no one should care about outside of triple crown status batting average is not the most helpful version of what that stat or what stats like that are to be. And uh, really shouldn't cross your radar too much outside of conversational um, just conversationally talking about where players kind of are. And even then it's not the best one for that. 
Uh, home runs definitely matters, but again, I, you shouldn't treat it as the end all be all. Obviously, if players are still hitting tons of doubles and as long as they're not single city, then you're probably doing just fine. But it's part of, I think, the charm of baseball to have this specific grouping of otherwise. N- I don't know, non-leading factors for whether or not a player is good be something special and unique. You know? It's not like my mom. Be something special and unique. Well, I don't need anybody to be it, but it's nice when it happens. It's like, you know, pitching a no-hitter obviously takes a level of skill, but there's also so much random shit that goes into hitting pitching a no-hitter that the pitcher just has no control over that most people don't have any control over. You know, the shortstop stands in the right spot to make a catch. The left fielder uh, had a ball that was smoked 120 miles an hour, hit directly to him where he didn't have to move. Like, there's there's weird, goofy shit that is no indication of anybody's skill that goes into a no-hitter that is required to have a no-hitter. And we cherish those. And I think that's part of the cool thing about um, seeing anybody get a triple crown is, is, like, this is a guy that managed to collect these three arbitrary stats over a full season and we have a signed purpose to that or meaning. And uh, we're, we all understand it. We all are on the same page with it. And uh, we're all rooting for it. Even though, even in the scheme of baseball, none of that shit really matters. Yeah. I mean, anything that's more rare than a perfect game is something truly special, especially when it's a, not just, you know, the stars aligning, you know, lightning striking. It's not just a singular moment, a singular game. It's over the course of an entire season, not just competing against one other team, but competing against every other pitcher in baseball. That's uh, that's special. Yeah. Um, how many triple crowns have there been in baseball? Uh, hitting or pitching? Uh, let's Well, we're talking about hitting. So let's go with hitting. Uh, 17. I have here 39. So I don't believe you because I read an article yesterday that said 17. Maybe it's combining the two between pitching and hitting. Uh, let's see. All right. So hold on, I'm going to go through my list. This is from LMLE.com. Um, So the most recent one is still Miguel Cabrera's 2012 campaign. Um, so that's 2012. That's one. Number two. Second most recent one was 1967 when Carl Yastrzemski did it for the Boston Red Sox. So a huge gap between the two. Uh, The third one, Frank Robinson, the year prior, 1966 for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Number four, Mickey Mantle with the Yankees in 56. Uh, And then before that, Ted Williams did it twice for number five and number six in 42 and 47. Um. Number seven was Joe Medwick for the St. Louis Cardinals. 1934, Lou Gehrig for the New York Yankees. 1933, Jimmy Fox for the Philadelphia Athletics. Also in 1933, Chuck Klein for the Philadelphia Phillies. So Philly got the AL and NL triple crowns, which is fascinating. Uh, In 22 and 25, Rogers Hornsby did it in both those years for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Heine Zimmerman? Heine Zimmerman, H-E-I-N-I-E, Heine Zimmerman. What the fuck? 
did it in 1912 for the Chicago Cubs. Heine Zimmerman. All right, we have to look up. I'm just putting this in my my notes for for later. Heine fucking Zimmerman. Um, Jesus Christ. Number 14 in 1909, Ty Cobb did it for the, the Tigers. Uh, 01, Nap Lejoie did it for the Athletics. 80, not, sorry, not 1894, Hugh Duffy did it for the Boston Bean Eaters. Eight, uh, 78, Paul Hines did it for the Providence Grays. And in 87, Tip O'Neill did it for the St. Louis Browns. So uh, that is the 17 you were talking about. So there we go. The Heine Zimmerman conversation is um, is going to be a good one. Yeah. Uh, just I clicked on his Wikipedia page. Uh, the first paragraph is always like the summary of you know people know how Wikipedia works. Fuck off. Uh, the final line is uh, he was also known for his poor performance in the 1917 World Series, and his baseball career ended when he was banned for fixing games. Oh, was he part of the uh, the White Sox scandal then? The Black Sox scandal. Never played for the White Sox, never played for any of that, but possibly could have been. Yeah, no, he was not. So in 17, he was on the Giants. Um, yeah, so he didn't get banned after 1917 because he played until 1919 also with the Giants, but he must have that must have been the year that he eventually got banned for fixing games. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, so he played 13 seasons, 10 with uh, the Cubs and then four with the Giants. Um, never won MVP. He got the triple crown and didn't win MVP. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to answer that one. So, okay, so in 1912, yeah, that's right. I'm going to be salty about some 1912 shit. Uh, <laughs> um, Larry Doyle won MVP on the Giants. Um, Larry Doyle. In 1912, it's a fucking pedestrian compared to Heine Zimmerman. Um, his slash line was 330, 393, 471. That's an OPS of 864 or an OPS plus that season of 132. Whereas our man, our friend Heine Zimmerman, um, had 207 hits, which led the National League. 41 doubles, which led the National National League. 14 home runs, which led all of baseball. 104 RBIs, which led the National League. 372, which led the National League uh, for his batting average. An OBP of 418. Um, his slugging, OPS, OPS Plus, and total bases, all of the National League. They were 571 for the slugging, 989 for the OPS, 170 for the OPS Plus, and the total bases of 318. Um, now, obviously... OPS, OPS plus, all that shit, uh, probably probably even slugging, and uh, definitely on base percent. No one really cared about the time. But 372 for the old-timey man stats? 372 doesn't win you? Was he Jewish? Did they not give him to him because he was Jewish? This is my conspiracy theory now. Zimmerman sounds too Jewish. Uh, While you're looking that up, uh, based on testimony by McGraw, uh, who is John McGraw, Giants manager, uh, during the Black Sox scandal hearings in the early 1920s, uh, Heine Zimmerman and Hal Chase were both indicted for bribery. Zimmerman denied McGraw's accusations, and neither he nor Chase was ever proven to be directly connected to the Black Sox. Uh, according to some historians, Zimmerman had been informally banned after the Giants released him. 
1919, uh, this is a previous entry, the Giants acquired Hal Chase, and he and Heine Zimmerman tried to get other players to help them throw games during the season. Zimmerman's actions got him kicked off the team in September 1919, and he never played in organized baseball again. So I wonder if it was like a known fact, you know, like 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 an unspoken fact um, that he oh. was fixing games in 1912, which is why they didn't give him the MVP. Uh, Hal Chase, the other man in this uh, little story here, uh, was an American professional baseball player, widely viewed as the best fielder at his position during his career. Babe Ruth and Walter Johnson named Chase the best first baseman ever. And contemporary reports described his glove work as outstanding. Wow, for Babe Ruth to fuck over Lou Gehrig like that. <laughs> no respect, no respect. He is sometimes considered the first true star of the franchise that would eventually become the New York Yankees. I love the weird, stupid rabbit holes that this stupid fucking sport brings us down. I love it so much. Oh, yes. Um, so acquitted in the 1919 Black Sox scandal. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Damn straight, Sonny Jim. Um, all right. So I want to I want to loop us back to uh, some talk about the uh, Triple Crown situation that Vlad Guerrero finds himself um, attempting to maintain and deviating away from the batting average piece of it because uh, what does that really say about it? It's just getting hits and and you know that's kind of it. Um, RBIs, no, there's nothing constructive to say because it really doesn't matter. The home run aspect of it. So right now, Guerrero <gasps> leads. What happened Frank in golf? Franco just got called up by the Rays. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's huge. Shiggity, shiggity, shit. Well, goddamn. Sound the alarm. Well, they are struggling recently, in which they've lost like five games in a row. It's not a huge deal. They're still a good team. But, okay. So Maybe they need some Spock. Yeah, that'll be really fun. Who do they play next? Can you show me? I want to know who Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays play. Durham this year. He has had 170 plate appearances. Boston. 51. That's who they play next. Oh, okay. I thought you were correcting uh, where he played. And I was like, no, he he played in Durham. Uh, But in 170 through the 100... You got this big guy. In 173 plate appearances, he has 51 hits, 11 doubles, six triples, seven home runs with 35 RBI, not that we care, five stolen bases, four caught stealings, 12 walks, 20 strikeouts for a 323, 376, 601 slash line with a 977 OPS. Uh, That's what the kids say is raking. Yes, sir. Damn. Wow. Yeah, it'll be fun to see. How many middle infielders can the Tampa Bay Rays pro- possibly have at one given time? Yes. Um, does God, he it hit feels a, like they have so many. Does he hit a home run in his first at-bat? No. I will say yes. It's easy to say no. Because um, uh, the probability of that happening is small. But it's Wonder Franco. So what? It doesn't mean anything. I mean, Jeter did it, but it doesn't mean anything. Anyway. uh, (laughs) You're the fucking worst. Thank you. Brian Hayes did it. Next Derek Jeter. There you go. 
anyway, looping back to the home run conversation, um, Vlad Guerrero currently stands on top of the leaderboard. He has 23 long balls, uh, but right behind him are Shohei Otani and Fernando Tatis Jr., current darlings of this podcast and current darlings of the baseball community as a whole. Um, and how would you feel if Vlad Guerrero misses out on the Triple Crown because one of those two guys maintained or took over the home run leaderboard and held on to that for the season? Like, does, does the arbitrary collection of these three statistics mean more to you than seeing them shared by players that you also love? You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'd love to see Shohei Otani win, you know, or have the uh, home run lead at the end of the season. Just the fact that a pitcher's doing that, Shohei Otani's doing that, like, that's magical. But it's such a wild situation to win like it's such a an unbelievable you know accomplishment to win a triple crown show Otani can come back and do it again just him being in the conversation is spectacular but winning the triple crown is huge i want to see the triple crown i want to see vlad win the triple crown um show will have his time hold on All right, so there's actually been 27 triple crowns for batting because I was not looking at the baseball reference page version of it, and baseball reference now includes the Negro League players. So I want to give them a quick shout-out. So if we include Negro League players... Um, still the most recent one is Miguel Cabrera, then Yastrzemski, Robinson, Mantle, Williams, Williams. Uh, and then in 42, same year as Ted Williams's uh, first triple crown uh, was Ted Strong's triple crown um, for the uh, Negro American League. And Lenny Pearson, also a triple crown winner um, for the Negro National League um, in 42. Uh, Joe Medwick got the triple crown in the National League, followed by Josh Gibson having back-to-back triple crowns in the Negro National League uh, in 37 and 36. Um, And uh, Luke Gehrig, Jimmy Fox, Chuck Lyon, we said all those. Willie Wells then getting it in 1930. Mule Suttles getting it in 26, uh, both those for the Negro National League. Uh, Oscar Charleston winning it in 1925 uh, for the ECL. Actually, I don't know what that one stands for. Hold on. Let me. ECL East Coast League. I don't know. What year did I just say? I don't know. I found it. East. Oh, I don't want to say this name. Eastern Colored League team statistics. Oh, Oh, God. I hated that. I don't like that. (sighs) Nope. We'll be saying ECL. Um, Jesus. Uh, Then Rogers Hornsby, then Oscar Charleston again in 1924. Heavy Johnson for the Negro National League in 1923. Roger Hornsby again. Uh, Oscar Oscar Charleston again in 1921 for the Negro National League. Um, And then the rest was, as said before, Heine Zimmerman, Ty Cobb, Nap Tip O'Neill, and then Paul Hines. Um, Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just want to shout that out real, real quick. Uh, but yeah, it's John Rahm is your 2021 U.S. Open winner. Yay! Yay, John Rahm. To yeah, be fair, I... 
he was pulled out of the Memorial Tournament with a six-shot lead going into the final round because of this COVID test. We talked about it. Him to come back in his next appearance, being the U.S. Open, winning it the way he did. Great storyline. Fantastic. It really is. Father's Day. Just had a new baby boy. Wasn't even there to be able to share his parents meeting his son for the first time because he was in quarantine. Oh, it's oh, how can you not be romantic about golf? Truly, think of the poor white people. Um, <laughs> John Rom, a Spaniard. Uh, what 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 continent is, is Spain in, my friend? Uh, you know, <laughs> the the one where uh, non-white people are. Europe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. Oh um, Jesus. I, I agree. I think, you know, it would obviously be really cool to see Fernando Tatis Jr. take uh, uh, take a home run crown home uh, or Shohei Otani for so many different reasons for each of those guys that are specific to them. But at the same time, getting the chance to see a triple crown, something that you know, a new generation of baseball fans since it hasn't been done since 2012 and, and seeing it get to be a guy that's like, you know, young and, uh, you know, fighting to be one of the current and is one of the current faces of baseball is – Oh God, the sport couldn't get any any more fun than that. And I think having these three dudes be the three guys who are all fighting for the MLB home run crown and getting a really fun East West uh, rivalry for the AL crown between um, Shohei and Vladdy is so much fun. And to get that for a full season and then be capped off with Vladdy, like keeping it or maintaining mm-hmm. it, I think is exactly what I would want to see. I mean, it's it's by all means three of possibly the top five most electric players in all of baseball right now. Who would you it, give that to? Five most electric players. I would say Fernando's number one, Shohei number two, Shohei, depending on if you want to include pitching. Um, no, let's throw it all into that one. Um, honestly, Mike Trout, I don't know if I'd put in my top five just because. He's electric. Right, like electricity. Um, Jazz Chisholm, not yet, but I love what he can be. I feel like we would need to, I'd need to sit it out, sit this, sit down and work this out and actually come up with the list because I'm, I'm going to falter and and forget so many people. Ronald Acuna, and for number five, I'll say Matt Chapman. I think that's a good list. I think I would agree. Um, Fernando, um, Vladdy, um, Shohei Otani, Ronald Acuna. Oh, man, but that last spot's tough. Oh, man. It's a really good question. Because this thing is like, I, I love my Yankees. I don't think any of them are electric players. Um, I think they're, it's a team full of great players. I love Gary Sanchez. I love Aaron Judge, but they're not. Mookie Betts. That's what I put as my fifth one. Mookie Betts. Yeah. That's a, that's a, good, that's a good answer. I, I don't, as much as I love Matt Chapman, he is not one of the most five electric, electric hitters in baseball. Um, it's one of the five best Chapmans in baseball. Absolutely. I would say top two. Um, Definitely. I kind of do want to put together a list, though, because that could be fun. <laughs> Well, speaking of listing shit and talking about players, um, let's bring this on in 
to the MLB All-Star voting, which, again, has been open for quite some time, uh, but we have not gotten around to talking about it. So the way we've done this in years past is we've gone through the, the actual ballot um, as it is and just kind of, like, you know, talked about what stats we look at, who's um, eligible to be voted for, and then just kind of making the picks as it stands. So I have the MLB All-Star ballot in front of me. Corwin Heller, uh, do you have uh, a ballot in front of you? I do. All right, so uh, let's start with the American League because it's on the left side. We'll start with first base because that's what it presents to us. Left best. Corwin Heller, who would you put for the American League first baseman, starting first baseman for the All-Star game? I mean, it's Vladdy Daddy. Yeah, it's it's, it's not even hard. Yeah, like <laughs> right now, Jose Abreu is in second place in vote getting, and he's 400 points behind in OPS. Four hundred points behind an OPS that's stupid um but yeah Vlad Guerrero is the clear you know undisputed number one for me yeah I, I we just spent a lot of time jerking them off uh deservedly so so obviously they don't need to spend too much uh, uh, more time on it so let's just jump on over to the National League version of this uh who would you vote for for the National League first baseman there's, there's a few good uh, options here this for me is probably a two horse race this year um, you know, it's Freddie Freeman or it's Max Muncie. The, when I first filled out my ballot about a week ago, um, they were significantly closer. Max Muncie's uh, on-base percentage was just a tick higher, and that was really the only defining difference, uh, that and about 40 plate appearances. Um, but at this point, Max Muncie has kind of, you know, been on a hot streak, separated himself a fair amount. Um, he's got, you know, 110 114 if, if we're, we want to be accurate lead and OPS and that you know by all means is a very good stat to kind of go by if we want to talk offense defensively it's not a big enough difference to really make a, a major impact so uh, I'm going to go Max Muncy yeah Max Muncy is currently first in in vote getting he's having a really good season um I would probably also vote for Max Muncy. Uh, obviously, Rizzo's having uh, a decent enough year. Freddie Freeman has been one of the brightest spots on a struggling Braves team. But, I mean, Muncy has just been incredible. And since he's been playing more first base um, this season, I think any other season he's played, it seems like a pretty easy pick to go with Max Muncy here. Um, as a quick update, uh, the um, Arizona Diamondbacks did end up losing that game 8-9. to nine. Uh, the winning pitch for the Dodgers was thrown by a man named Clevenger. And when I saw that, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It seems as though Clevenger is on the wrong Los, uh, California baseball team there. And it's because the Dodgers have a pitcher named Garrett Clevenger. And that really threw me for a loop. Uh, but anyway, just wanted to share that bit of confusion. I would trade the soul of Garrett Clevenger for a healthy Mike Clevenger this season for the Padres. Sure. Not trade. Cares. I don't want to trade. I want to sacrifice his soul for a healthy Mike Clevenger. Mike uh, Garrett Clevenger, come on down to the altar for your sacrificial lamb. Just uh, actually, uh, I hold on real quick because I said Max Muncie has been playing more first base this season than in typical years prior, and now I have to confirm that um, for my own my own curiosity. Uh, 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 how many appearances have you had at first base so far? 
Okay, I feel like this is accurate then. So far this season, he has had 51 games at first base, uh, at 19 games at second base, uh, and then one appearance at DH, one appearance at pinch hitter. So those don't really matter. And percentage-wise, it's probably the most because last season he had 35 games at first base, 12 games at second base, and 13, 16 games at third base. So that's 35 games at first base and then um, 28 games at non-first base position. So this is definitely the most percentage-wise he's played at strictly first base. So I feel good about that statement. Just wanted to share that. Moving right along. Um, let's talk about American League second baseman. Uh, as of right now, your number one vote getter is Marcus Semien, uh, number two being Jose Altuve, and then number three, absolutely not deserving a single one of these votes, is DJ LeMahieu. Uh, so, Corwin, uh, who would you pick here for your second baseman for the American League? I'm going with DJ LeMahieu. Uh, <laughs> no. Yuck, not yuck. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with Marcus Semien. He's having just such an excellent season. Um, it's one of these votes where it's like I'm so confident with voting for him because both I want him to win because it's Marcus Simeon. He's, you know, he's deserving of it. I want to see, you know, a fresh face, get it. That's not Jose Altuve. Um, And he's also by all means, fully deserving of it. Yeah. I'd say for the, for the most part, and we'll touch on some that I think the voters are getting wrong. Uh, but for the most part, the voters for the batting do a really good job of picking the guys that are probably actually deserving. And Marcus Semien, I think, is so incredibly deserving um, of making this all-star game. I would like to mention real quick, um, how many appearances do you think DJ LeMahieu has at first base this season, or second base this season? How many total games does he have? Uh, 66. I'll say 28, less than half. Uh, 29. He has 39 appearances at first base (laughs) and then 14 at third. So his second most appearances are at second base. And they're putting him in as a second baseman. And I fundamentally disagree with that. In addition to the fact that he really just doesn't deserve to be getting votes he is not having a good season um especially in comparison to who else could be receiving those votes um fucking nick madrigal should be getting votes over dj lemayhew but whatever point being yes marcus simeon is lighting the world on fire i am here for it i love it i'm happy to see him succeed he deserves the love um all right, so let's take it over to the National League. As it stands right now, Ozzy Albies is your number one vote getter, followed by Adam Frazier of the Pirates and then Gavin Lux of the Dodgers. Uh, Corwin, who would you vote for? I am going with Adam Frazier over Ozzy Albies. Um, you know, a little bit higher OPS, even though that doesn't really matter. Adam Frazier, the big takeaway is he only has two home runs on the whole year. He's just not a power hitter, but at the same time, his defense is electric. He's, you know, the only thing really forcing the pirates to be anything sort of capable and not in the running for the worst overall team in baseball. Um, because the diamondbacks sure have that, um, locked in. Um, but, I think this is one of those times where I think he is deserving enough and this isn't 
I want to see a guy like him win it. I want to see, you know, a guy who's not a household name. I want to see a guy who's um, deserving but not well-known come out and win it over a guy like Ozzy Albies who is going to be a, you know, seven, eight-time all-star at some point. You know, he's going to be a great player for a long, long time. Um, Adam Frazier kind of deserves that recognition. In reality, um, I want to vote for Jake Cronenworth, but his numbers just aren't quite there this year. Right, I understand. I'm going in a similar thought process as you, but I'm going for Gene Segura of the Philadelphia Phillies, who is having a really nice season offensively um, and has been having a uh, also a really nice season defensively and has been flying largely under the radar um, because the Phillies have been a very middling team and he is neither the highest high nor the lowest low of it and often is not part of the main conversation about why they are as successful as they are because they have some very, very marquee players on that team um, that haven't been able to fully dredge them up from the bottom feeders they were before they had those marquee players. But um, Gene Segura, I think, has been playing very well this season, deserves a little extra recognition, even though he's uh, not the face of the Phillies right now. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's where yeah. we stand with that. Also, he's batting 332 with an 845 OPS plus. While batting average doesn't matter, it is fun when it's high. <laughs> it is. <laughs> like a lot of things in life, it's fun when it's high. Also, um, Gene Segura has been in baseball for 10 seasons. Wow. Yeah, that that sentence does not. He's first off, he's 31. Um, and has been in baseball for 10. This is his 10th season in MLB. How fucking wild is that? So he started, apparently, his first game in his career was with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and that was the only game he played with them <laughs> um, oh before they traded him to the Brewers. So he finished his 2012 campaign with the Brewers with 44 games with them. Um, he then ended up spending four seasons with the Brewers. He then spent one season in, in Arizona, uh, which he had a good season. I mean, he listen to his, his one season in, in Arizona. Um 203 hits, which led the National League. Uh, his slash line was 319, 368, 499. It's an 867 OPS and a 122 OPS plus. They let him walk. He ended up going to Seattle for two seasons. Um, Seattle traded home him. runs, 33 stolen bases in that 2016 season in Arizona. Finished yeah. 13th in MVP voting, wasn't an all-star. And also was no 26, and either. Arizona let him just fucking walk? Um, Arizona. Why are you such a bad team? Yeah. And he ended up going to Seattle for two seasons. It doesn't say here, but I know that they ended up trading him to Philadelphia and he has been in Philadelphia ever since. Um, yeah. Two time all-star already. No, sorry. He was traded by the Diamondbacks to the Mariners for Cattell Marte and Taiwan Walker. Oh, that's actually dude, a really good trade. No, oh, it's not. Listen, dude, listen to this package. Arizona oh, wasn't just sent no Arizona sent Gene Segura, Zach Curtis, and Mitch Haniger. Now Zach Curtis didn't end mm. up becoming much, but Mitch Haniger has been a relatively productive ball player in his time. Um, I all would to still get take Cattell Marte and Taiwan Walker. Well, Taiwan Walker's not on the team anymore. I no, mean, but he was until he tore his Tommy John. He didn't tear his Tommy John. He had Tommy John. Um, but by all means was a, a top prospect at the time. I know because I drafted him in fantasy and then never had him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy played a combined looks like 30, 
two games in Arizona over three seasons. Oof. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about that trade. I, I, I uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't have the wherewithal to do a post-mortem on that trade. Uh, Zach Curtis, who has a career negative 0.1 war um, in three seasons. That's impressive. That is actually impressive. Yeah. Uh, anywho, let's take it on down to third base in the American League. Your number one vote getter thus far is Rafael Devers. Your number two vote getter as it stands is Yoan Moncada. And then following up in third is Alex Bregman. Corbin, who would you vote for? I should probably pull my ballot back up instead of just digging through baseball reference. It's very um, easy to get lost like that. My pick's uh, Rafael Devers right now. Uh, I just think he has a, a fairly sizable lead over the other guys just in, in the production he's been able to you know amass. Uh, that being said, second place right now is a just hotly, hotly contested um, – no, I don't want to select Charlie Colberson. Thank you very much. It's a highly contested uh, finish for a second with, you know, Alex Bregman's up there. Um, Yoan Mancada, Jose Ramirez, uh, Rendon on the outside looking in. G. Shell has had a good year. Matt Chapman's been up and down, but there's a lot of guys who have been doing real good. It's true. I, I am. I'm a petty man. Uh, I want to make that very well known. I'm I'm a very petty man and I don't express it much when it comes to most things in baseball. But if I have the ability to choose who I have to watch on my television screen, I'm not going to choose a Red Sox. It's not going to happen. So Raphael Devers could have an OPS of 3000. I wouldn't fucking vote for him. (laughs) I, I am too small of a man for that. I'm voting for Jose Ramirez. All right, that's really funny. Um, <laughs> that being said, uh, I, I really get the sentiment. Like, I really do. I'm not a Yankees fan. I don't want to root. I don't want to vote for the Red Sox. Like, I don't want to vote for the Dodgers. I don't want to vote for the Red Sox. But, like, at this point, I'm not going to be that biased. Um, so I'll vote for them. Uh, and, I, and I understand that. And, uh, you know, I think the older you get, the less your fandom interferes with the rest of your sport viewing experience and your, your ability to take in the entertainment value of a whole league full of teams. But if, again, if you made me the commandant of the all-star game, the, the Red Sox uniform ain't hitting the fucking field. <laughs> I got really bad sunburn yesterday on my leg and I just slapped it. Oh, it hurts. I'm so sorry, my friend. Uh, let's talk about National League third baseman to ease your mind. Uh, your current first place vote getter is Chris Bryant of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, second is Nolan Arenado, the, the the first season St. Louis Cardinal. And your third place vote getter currently is Justin Turner. Corwin Heller, who would you vote for? I am voting for someone not in the top three. Lay it on me, Big Daddy. I'm voting for the Atlanta Braves, Austin Riley. 283 with 12 home runs, 33 RBI, and an 850 OPS. I am voting for Mr. Riley because he is a defensive wizard. He's been keeping the Braves afloat along with Mr. Ronald Acuna, who we will certainly mention later. Uh, While they've been going through a rough patch, uh, it would be Chris Bryant if he was consistently playing third base, but he's not. He is all over the field this year. Uh, By all means, having a great year. Uh, But I think 
Riley's numbers match up extremely well. And I think that defensive prowess is enough to kind of put him over the edge for me and win my vote. Again, just another one of those young guys who deserves more attention. And I will happy to provide that attention with my vote. Uh, that's certainly fair. I think I am going to pick the pick I thought you were going to pick. And that pick is Manuel Man Machado. Machado. That's right. I fucking love Manny Machado. Oh, I still too. am so incredibly mad that the Yankees did not sign him. I don't know why they didn't. Uh, obviously, Gio Shella has been good and cheap, and I understand that. But I, I, every time I see Manny Machado in a Padres uniform, I think, oh, baby, baby, come here. We need you, Daddy. I so, agree. We need him. But at yeah. the same time, I don't think he's playing at an all-star level this year. I mean, he's been playing well enough. He's got a positive D war and he has got a 121 OPS plus, And that is good enough for me. Plus I like him and this is a popularity contest and I am a sucker for people. I already have a predisposition, predisposition opinion of. So let's take it on down to the shortstop position, taking it to the American league. Sander Bogarts is a current folk of for the Boston Red Sox. Second place is Bobachette. Um, of the Toronto Blue Jays, and then Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox getting Mr. it. Mr. Anderson. Uh, Corwin, who would you give your shortstop vote to? Uh, I mean, Xander Bogarts is kind of running away with this. Similar to Rafael Devers, I just think he has a clear leg up on the competition. I will not be voting for Carlos Correa because fuck that guy. So, Xander Bogarts, it is. Yeah, cheating stuff aside Carlos Correa is just very annoying um yeah as a guy uh mm -hmm. that's really all there is to it so I I get that I get it I get it I get it um yeah th this one this one's tough in a, in a means to avoid <laughs> the Boston Red Sox because Xander Bogarts is having such a good season uh, I obviously want to give this, if you listen to the show, you know me, I, w I really want to vote for Tim Anderson here um, because I love Tim Anderson. I love him so much. I love him. Um, but I am actually going to go out of the box here and I'm going to pick Joey Wendell of the Tampa Bay Rays, um, who is having himself a very nice season so far, um, quietly so. And I want to give, I think he's the only Ray that's really worth voting for here. Um, which also weighs a little bit into my vote giving decision. Uh, plus he's just, he's just killing it. He's got a 142 OPS plus, which is nuts and has been having a very good productive defensive season, which you can never say about Xander Bogarts because he is a butcher with the glove. Um, so Joey Wendell, I'm, I'm going to lock in my Ray pick there for you. So lock it in. Uh, should we? Is it even worth mentioning who's getting the votes for the National League, or are we both just going to pick Tatis? Uh, yeah, it's absolutely worth it because it's more time to talk about Fernando. To quote some great Swedish singers, um, he's Abba. the best player in baseball, probably the sexiest. Definitely the sexiest boy. He's the sexiest. Tight. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite aspect of Fernando Tatis? Oh, the everything. Mine is that he plays for the Padres and not the Yankees or the White Sox because that's where he should be playing. I got to admit, though, I would love it if he was in the White Sox. 
Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm content with him on the Padres. I, I enjoy mm-hmm. the fact that he's on the Padres, making San Diego relevant. But, wow, I would love him on the White Sox. Could you imagine the White Sox currently constructed with Fernando Tatis Jr. there? Uh, could you imagine the Padres currently constructed with James Shields? Yes, because I've watched that version of Padres baseball for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, that, we would just be the, the Padres of old. Um yeah. How would but would you rather have Fernando Tatis on the White Sox if it meant Tim Anderson wasn't? I'd imagine that Tim Anderson would also be there, but probably at second or third instead. And they probably would oh. have moved one of Nick Madrigal or Yon Makata at some point. You mean superstar Nick Madrigal is getting moved out of second base? What? I know it might it might be shocking. Former third overall pick, Nick Madrigal. This has to be I'm in the middle of doing it, too, because it might be one of the most disappointing seasons of actually, you know what? 116 OPS plus is a lot better than I recall him doing. He must be getting better. Uh, He's hurt right now, but, you know, he is Uh, pretty sure. Yeah, I don't see that. He has 324 career plate appearances and three home runs. Yeah, that part's oh, the tough part. Two home runs. Um and but four triples. <laughs> he has three career stolen bases, fifteen career walks, twenty-four career strikeouts, and three hundred and twenty-four plate appearances. He hits slap hit, slap singles, and that's it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he is a really is wacky a, ball player. He is a one-dimensional player in every right. And he went fourth overall to the Chicago White Sox in 2018. His uh, BABIP is 324. <laughs> a 324 BABIP with a 305 uh, batting average. Yeah. That's 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 interesting. That's That's a player, all right. All right, let's take it to the uh, catcher position in which Salvador Perez is your current number one vote getter, followed by Yasmani Grandal and Martin Maldonado. Um, why Martin Maldonado is the third best vote getter, I have no idea. It doesn't make any sense, but here we are. Uh, so, Corwin Heller, who would you vote for? Uh, I'm going with Mr. Salvador Perez. Sorry, was that Any, a bad... Anything further on that? <laughs> um, I would vote for Gary Sanchez if we were voting in a month and he continued on the pace that he's currently at. That being said, he had such an odd season so far. Sal has just kind of had that greater body of work. Um, oh, God. Um, so I'm going to give it to Sal. Um, just to butt in here before we move on, uh, Nick Madrigal was taken fourth. Uh, sixth overall that year was uh, Jared Kelenic. So um, that would have been really cool to see. Imagine that outfield in Chicago of Eloy Jimenez, um, the other guy who's pretty good, number 99, uh, Robert, Luis Robert. Luis Robert. Jesus, that was bad. And uh, Jared Kelenic. That is That could be a, a full three-person all-star outfield. Just all three of them being all stars. Yeah, that's that's fun. That's really fun. Hopefully, Jared Kelnick comes back up and, and and hits. He was doing mighty rough there for a while. Uh, yeah, it happens. 
I I think that if you vote for anybody other than Yasmani Grandal, you are not enjoying baseball as you should. Yasmani Grandal's 2021 campaign is the best, stupidest fucking season anybody could possibly ask for. And we should all be appreciative of the fact that here is a man who is batting um, fucking 162 and yet has an OP, an on-base of 385, (laughs) a slugging of 378 for an OPS of 116. He has but 24 hits, nearly half of which are, actually half of which are extra base hits. He has hit 12 singles. He has hit two doubles and 10 home runs. If he gets a hit, there's like a 45% chance that shit's a fucking home run. That's absolutely stupid and hilarious. He leads all of baseball in walks with 54. That's right, folks. He has more than double the walks than he has hits. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Last season, because Yaz is a good walker. Last season, he had 30 walks on 37 hits. So it's like, oh, all right. That's like one-to-one. Year before that, 109 walks, 126 hits. Yeah, it's a little bit less than one-to-one. It's double. (laughs) It's more than double. You realize how fucking stupid that is? My man is on base almost 400 times or uh, 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 40% of the time and he is batting under 120 my man has got 10 home runs and has 12 singles he's it's a stupid season plus he's a good catcher (laughs) if you are not voting for Yasmani Grandal you are not having fun so Corwin I'm here to tell you you're not having fun but I, I can't tell you the last time I had fun. I must concede Salvador Perez is having a wonderful season. Yeah. And and you're right. If the All-Star game voting was like a month later, Gary Sanchez would probably have a decent chance of being in the top three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not the case. So anyway, I, I am standing as Monte Grandal because this is this is a fucking blast. It's it's so fucking stupid. Just how Dude, weird it is. I it doesn't make any his expected batting average is 211, which is awful, but his expected weighted on base is 383, which is in the top 10% of all hitters in baseball. So his expected batting average is in the bottom 6%, but his expected weighted on base is top 10. Where else will you find a player that is on either side of this spectrum so intently? It doesn't make sense in the best way what do you think his BABIP is um boy it's i don't know i have no 163 to guess okay yeah i really wanted to guess something lower than his actual batting average It, and uh, I mean, it, it his batting average, his BABIP, I should say, against right-handed pitching is one eleven. His BABIP against left-handed pitching is three oh four. Oh, dude, yeah, this is having the stupidest fucking season. I love it so much. Oh, it's God, funny how yes. little I've heard about it. 
you know, I heard it's, about it a lot earlier on in the season, just how much he was walking, but it's just kind of died off. I mean, he is genuinely a, you know, literally an above average hitter by a good enough amount, 16% better than the average hitter in baseball. And his batting average is so low. And I love that because boomer fans can't say shit about that. You know, it's one thing if it's Gary Sanchez because he didn't like, you know, he was striking out a bunch. He wasn't walking enough and the hits weren't there. And, you know, the like the underlying metrics, the hard hit rate, you know, the um, the quality of contact stuff was all there, was just finding fielders and you know, it doesn't really show up anywhere. Um, and his batting average was low. So a lot of, you know, commentary was about like, I was batting 160. Like, how do you keep playing this guy? Because there was nothing else to really make up for it in the stats sheet uh, on the back of the baseball card stats. But with gas, there actually is um, like, it, it's like if Gary Sanchez was hitting those hard hit balls for home runs and that was it, everything else was the same. And he was walking a ridiculous amount. That's yes. Mm-hmm. It's Oh God, I'm loving the season so much. I hope he does this for like, if we were to just, you know, bump out his stats um, over the course of, of the full season, extrapolate no i i went intentionally with the phrase bump out because it was fun for me uh <laughs> um so he's played in 52 games so that's a, that's you know a third of the season so far so i'm just going to multiply everything by three because that, we're keeping it lazy here that's 162 walks that's 162 walks that's a walk a game <laughs> he'd have he'd have he'd have 162 walks and he'd have 72 hits you know how stupid of a year that would be? Give him MVP. Fuck yes! It. Let's do it. Fuck it. <laughs> All right. That's just, I, I want more people in sports and like more people that actually matter in sports to just start saying fuck it more, you know? I fuck full-heartedly it. agree. All right, so let's talk about the National League catching situation. The number one vote catter is Buster Posey, who's having a resurgent year behind the dish for uh, a surprisingly potent San Francisco offense. Um, number two is Yadier Molino. Will he ever stop being a perennial vote getter? The answer is no. I hope so. um, and Wilson Contreras, who is playing very well for Chicago. Uh, Corwin, who would you give your vote to? I mean, Buster Posey, man. Yeah. How could I, you not? I know. Like, this is such a great year to see from him. Yeah, I am surprised JT Real Muto isn't here, but usually Cubs fans just spam Wilson Contreras, um, so mm-hmm. I guess I can't be too surprised there. Um, he's having a great season. I probably would have voted for him, if not for the fact that Buster Posey is having a ludicrously good year. Yeah, it's stupid how good he's he's doing. Yeah, which is so wonderful to see because it, it always sucks to see players kind of just um, not taper off but dive off a cliff, and Buster Posey is like, fuck you, no, and has a 173 OPS+. plus. Oh, wait. You're telling me that we have like the second best catching prospect in all of baseball in the system, pretty much ready to come up whenever I decide I'm, you know, done or, you know, stop playing well. I would just have a career rear. Fuck you, Joey Bart. Yeah, this is literally the best season of his career so far. That 173 OPS plus would top his previous best, which was 2012, a decade ago, uh, when he had a 171 OPS plus and took home the MVP. Um, oh, Josh, that was nine seasons ago. That's not a decade. Suck my dick from the back. All right. Anyway, 
let's uh, let's talk about the outfield. You got to pick three. So as it stands right now, the number one vote getter for the American League outfield position is none other than your boy, Mike Trout. Uh, second most vote getter is Aaron Judge. Uh, the third most vote getter is Byron Buxton. Fourth most is Adalas Garcia, who's having himself a very nice season in Texas. Uh, the number five vote getter is Teoscar Hernandez in um, uh, uh, Toronto. Jesus, Josh. Number six is Randall Grichik, also up there in the great white north of Toronto. Um, number seven is Alex Verdugo of Boston. Number eight in the American League is Randy Arozarena in Tampa Bay. Number nine is Michael Brantley. I don't think it gives us a number 10. It does not. Uh, Corwin, give me three guys that you would pick to man your outfield. One, two, three. Mike Trout, Byron Buxton, Aaron Judge. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of conversation amongst the people who have, you know, like posted up their voting slips on like Twitter about who they would vote for because of some of the injury stuff. Um, because Mike Trout, yeah, he didn't, like he hasn't missed a, a world of time, but he he's missed some time. Um, so there was some uh, same with Byron Buxton. Uh, it's just a bender, I guess, really of how much you care and how much you think that should factor into something like um, All Star voting. So. I firstly am going to pick Cedric Mullins because he has been phenomenal. Excellent um, choice. Absolutely. Phen- 941 OPS plus or OPS this season, which is just so good. Uh, you know, he came up to replace, he was really one of the first guys that Baltimore brought up to issue in like the next wave of people as he came up to replace Adam Jones in center field, which was very bittersweet for me as a huge fan of Adam Jones. Um, as he got pushed into right field and eventually left baseball, left MLB to go to, uh, Ooh, I forget. Uh, yeah. KBO MPB. Oh shit. Oryx Buffalo. No KB. No MPB. Anyway. Um, Oh shit. Now I'm doubting it again. Damn it. I'm mixing up which teams are in which leagues. Doubt yourself, Josh. Oh, that's all I do every day. Um, (laughs) but anyway, Cedric Mullins, who has, had the promise for a couple of years is really, really couldn't be doing more to be living up to it. He's been phenomenal. I am so much so rooting for him. So um, shout outs to Cedric Mullins. He is my first guy. Uh, outside of that, a lot of the guys you'd usually expect outside of those main three Corbin already picked aren't having the world's greatest seasons. Like Joey Gallo's having a good season, but nothing crazy. Um, so to be a little bit also out of the box, I'm also going to pick Adalas Garcia. Just because, uh, fuck it. I he's think deserving. he's been playing well. Yeah. yeah, I like him. I like I like his stuff. Uh, and I would have voted for him if I didn't go so you know lesser name guys. You know, giving them the the spotlight. If I wasn't doing that so much earlier, I would have given him the uh, the nod in the outfield. Totally. I I gotcha. Uh, and for my last one, I'll I'll be similar to you, and I'm going to go with Aaron Judge. Because, yeah, you know, if I have the wow. chance to vote for a Yankee and it makes sense, I will. Mike Trout, not an all-star. Hmm. Hmm. No, no, fuck you, Mike. I'm not going to be the one to say that. Nope. Nah, Mike Trout, nah, I don't mean you're, Mike. You're my buddy. I love you, Mike. I, I do love you, Mike, but you also must acknowledge that Millville sucks. Um, and you should renounce your Millville ship and pick a better town in New Jersey to be from. So. <laughs> I'll say no, because... 
that would be a huge deal. And since nobody in the world outside of South Jersey has ever been to Millville, nobody knows how shitty it is. And he could just pretend like it's a great place. A false, a false promise of a cool pilgrimage. Exactly. Oh my God. There's nothing. There's nothing here. Why is it so desolate and shitty? Anyway. Oh my God. Look at all the concrete and strip malls. Oh, Wow, so everyone's that's teeth actually, are like that, huh? That's actually any fucking town in all of America. Concrete and oh, strip balls. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's take this over to the National League. Number one vote getter in the outfield for the National League is currently Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, second most is Nick Castellanos. Uh, third most votes in the National League uh, is Jesse Winker. Your fourth biggest vote getter is Mookie Betts. Number five is... Um, Juan Soto, number six, is Chris Taylor. Number seven is Bryce Harper. Number eight is Trent Grisham. And number nine is Cattell Marte. Oh, they're down at number nine. Uh, Corwin Heller, who would you vote for? Uh, This is another one, two, three outfield. Because I don't know how you vote for anyone else. Jesse Winker, Nick Castellanos, and Ronald Acuna are the three best outfielders by a wide margin. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I went a little bit more out of the box for the outfield than I think I did any other position we talked about, but this one, it's so hard not to. I mean, Winker has been uh, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal this season. Um, and uh, as is Nick Castellanos, I, was, I could consider subbing Castellanos for Marte just to diversify the teams by a smidge, but it would, it would be for, I mean, that reason, I think more so than anything else. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I have the same three. Sweet. All right. And that brings us to the last position that is one-sided American league only. And that is DH. Wrong. And I think we're going to have um, probably the same pick here. Three top vote getters are Shohei Otani of the angels, JD Martinez on the Boston Red Sox. And Jordan Alvarez of the Houston Astros. Corn Heller, who are you picking? I mean, those are three names that are going to be the next three names for the next five years, it feels like. Um, that being said, uh, a little uh, recent history for Shohei Otani. Uh, this past Tuesday, hit a home run. Wednesday, Woo. hit a home run. Woo. Uh, Thursday, he uh, pitched six innings, uh, gave up one earned run, had five strikeouts, earned the W. Uh, Friday hit two home runs. Saturday, he hit a home run. And then on Sunday, uh, he hit a home run. Uh, and that caught us up with today. So quite the week for Shohei Otani. Seriously, he's been unstoppable. Uh, so is he your vote getter? Yes. Yeah, same here. I mean, it's it, it not picking him would be a crime. Uh, it is. It, it should be a punishable crime because J.D. Martinez, you're cool. You're Don Alvarez, you're cool. But, like, fuck off. Yeah, I mean, it's just not even – it's 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 not close, especially considering what else he does, which I know it probably should factor into his DH vote. But uh, fuck it. It does. Totally does. Fuck you. The other guys there don't play defense and Shohei Otani pitches. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It really, it really, really is. He leads all of MLB in war as a DH because, oh, I am also my team's best starting pitcher. 
Whoopsie. It's fucking stupid. Oops, I'm the best. <laughs> I love Shohei Otani so much. Yeah, he's uh, he really is. He is the perfect person. Um, I say that never having met him, and I believe it within my heart of hearts. So just to recap, Corbin, can you, I don't know if you have your entire ballot written out. Why don't you give us your roster? For the American League, in the same order that we presented them, we have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Marcus Simeon, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Salvador Perez, Byron Buxton, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, and Shohai Otani-san. In the National League, in the same order that was just listed. We have Max Muncy, Adam Frazier, Austin Riley, Fernando Tatis Jr., Buster Posey, Ronald Acuna Jr., Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winker, and a designated hitter when the MLB decides to give a fuck. Yeah. Um, my three, or my, my three, my guys are for the American League first base slot, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., second base, Marcus Simeon, both those guys, the Toronto Blue Jays, at third base of the Cleveland Indians, Jose Ramirez, shortstop, Tampa Bay Ray, Joey Wendell, outfield, Texas Ranger, Adalas Garcia, New York Yankee, Aaron Judge, and Baltimore Orioles, Cedric Mullins, catcher will be uh, Chicago White Sox. Yes, Manny Grandal, that's right, singular bitch. Uh, and designated hitter would be Los Angeles Angel, Shohei Otani. For the National League, first baseman, Los Angeles Dodger, Max Munch- Mun- Muncy. Um, second base, Philadelphia, Philly, Gene Segura. Third base, um, Manny Machado. And shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr., both of the San Diego Padres. Uh, outfield of Brave, Ronald Acuna. Uh, and then Red, Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winker. And then catcher would be San Francisco Giant, Buster Posey. Are you muted? Yes. Insert some joke uh, that I have not yet written or come up with about Cody Bellinger being stoned and thinking Max Munchie is a uh, food. Honestly, when Max Munchie gets stoned, that should be his nickname. Max Munchie. Uh, yo, Cody. Let's go get some Max Munchies. <laughs> or something, when he's or when he's like joke. really snacking down, he is maximum munching. All right, Josh, take us out. <sighs> yeah, let's get out of here. Uh, Yankees turned their third triple play of the season. I just wanted to say that. There's nothing creative to say about it, but it's fucking wild um, that three of them have already happened and three of them have been done by the same team. So what will Rob Manfred do about all these triple plays? We demand to know. Uh, all right, that's it for the show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy on Twitter. It's um, fucking it. Uh, fuck it. Uh, yeah. All right. Until uh, Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.